You're listening to the Defro Airsoft Podcast. Hosted by Stuart Rowe. Meet the legend. Meet the legend. Get to know a local Airsoft legend as we take a deep dive and find out all about their call sign, equipment, local airsoft scene, play style, dreams, and the story behind their best Instagram photos. Now, let's meet today's legend. Hey everyone, I'm Stuart Rowe. Welcome to the Death Row Podcast. Today, we are sitting down with local legend, Rob, who has a super unique call sign that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. And yes, it is a a special name, but it's not that difficult if you're from my area. Because I was going to say Verge. It's Verge, right? No, it's, it's basically just my last name. But um, I'm coming from the age where you have to have like text messages and you have to limit the amount of characters you can send. And that is basically my last name with the least amount of characters. So you can still understand that it's me and it's Veraha. Okay, I'm not I'm not sure that's that's even a word. It is. Here <laughs> it is. <laughs> it sounds like there's a potato in your mouth when you're speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my culture. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. So before we start, I just want to shame shamelessly uh, plug my gear. Here we've got the new Defro patches in. These are seven dollars US or one thousand yen. Uh, worldwide free shipping. And also just a shout out to Call Sign Forty Seven who sent me his patch today. This looks great. I am uh, rocking it uh, on my plate carrier. All right. Uh, enough uh, shameless plugs. Let's jump in. So round one uh, behind the call sign. We've already heard that you have a uh, cool call sign. Can you tell me all about it? Well, cool. It, it, it is a simple one. Um, I I just ran with it and everybody started calling me by my last name. I have a few brothers and my family is quite big. So there is a, there is a lot of Verohas out there. And we are from the West Flanders. And that's why it's really difficult for us to say the G and the H. That's why the G sounds like an H for me. And it's just my last name. Uh, in the shortest form as possible. Well, it, it seems like the, the coolest people are using their last name for their call sign because <laughs> that, that's exactly what I did. So my last name's Ro. So Def Ro, you know, portmanteau. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and, and I, I thought it was really um, smart to do that. It's Thank a cool you. call Thank sign. I, I like to think so. But uh, apparently you... no one else does because everyone thinks... Everyone thinks I'm French and calls me Defro. I'm like, no, oh. no, it's not French. <laughs> I can see where they get that. I, yeah. I can really see that. Yeah. That's my fault. <laughs> well, you only notice that when you start using your call sign and you send it out into the world and people were like pronouncing it different than you expect them to do. But you you just run with it. And if people call you like that, you, you just listen anyway. So yeah, like, yep, yep. Really that, cares. That's, that's me. <laughs> All right. So people get into Airsoft for different reasons. Uh, for me, I got into Airsoft simply because like humans are like the, the ultimate thing to hunt. Like you, you could hunt animals, you can hunt birds, you can play hunting games, but there's nothing like hunting a human. That oh, is actually. true. 
<laughs> that is true. Um, I actually started um, in Airsoft um, because I was gaming. I was playing Battlefield 2 back in the days, and I was a more tactical shooter. And with some friends, we went to a shop in, in, on, to the coast in Ostende, and we went to a store and we just bought our first Airsoft rifle. And yeah, as soon as you do that and you love playing online and you want to go outdoors and you love the outdoors, yeah, you're hooked and you're never going to stop anyway. Um, so that, yeah, snowballed to where I am today. Yeah, I hear a similar story from a lot of people. It's basically the second prestige of Call of Duty. They play Call of Duty, they prestige once, they get that nice little star or emblem beside their name so everyone knows they finished the game. And then after that, they're like, "What? what's next? What's next? Then they find out they can do Call of Duty in real life. And... Uh, that's True. half half of the airsofters. <laughs> yeah, well, I was more like the the battlefield player than the Call of Duty player, more team based and uh, not the fast shooting stuff. I I remember Battlefield Two was on PlayStation Two, right? No computer. I don't even oh, think computer, it okay. came to console. Oh, okay. Wonder what am I thinking of? Maybe 2042 or something like that. Battlefield 3 was released for, I think, Xbox 360 and mm -hmm. PS3. And yeah, then I've got from... 3 and 4 on, on yeah, PS3 and stuff. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Battle, Battlefield 2 was a, what, a PC exclusive, right? I think it was because the consoles were not powerful enough to run them, I think. Yeah. That's and a long time ago. It was a long time. I'm just thinking about because my brother really, really loved uh, those games. They had all like the really cool vehicles, right? Where you could like fly around and stuff like that. Yeah. I was always a helicopter pilot. And I'm still the helicopter pilot when I'm playing Arma. And it's something that just stuck. Have you found a way to do that with Airsoft? Have you been able to pilot a helicopter in Airsoft yet? No, but you can fly drones. That's true. Well, you can. We can't. Drones are very, very much banned everywhere here. Oh, well, we, we can. <laughs> I understand. Have you seen that video on YouTube where the guy puts the, the Glock 18C onto a drone, then he flies it around and shoots people with it? Um, yes, um, I can go in you? a lot of detail about that. No, it's not me, but um, I know that it was... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to in too much detail, but it was not allowed to do that. Yeah, I bet it was fantastic. <laughs> yes, Um if it was allowed to do that but if you're breaking uh, laws to have some cool footage and videos i don't like it but that's just oh no i, I agree 100 percent. like if you're gonna commit a crime don't film it and upload it to the internet because evidence exactly <laughs> all right so everyone everyone's gun collection uh starts somewhere so for me as i was talking before like my very first gun was a uh, western arms colt commander which is an absolute ancient gun that i got for ten dollars at a secondhand store 20 years ago and now i have a giant armory of weapons probably 50 or so guns now how about you what's your weapon collection like can you tell me about your first gun to your recent gun um, yes, I actually can, um, and I have them with me also. Um, Great, show like and tell. I, I, I told you that I went to a store in Ostende, and I bought the cheapest rifle I could buy. And yes, I yes. always tell people, if you get into airsoft, don't buy a sniper as your first rifle. Well, Definitely my first rifle never do that. was a sniper. <laughs> and a it was a, I think it's 80 or 90 euros. It was a Black Eagle 
Um, M6 sniper rifle. I don't know if the lighting is not that's really Okay. Bad. It looks similar to like an M M024. Um, yeah, something similar, but you can hear it in the microphone squeaking and, and it's very squeaky. Yeah, that's the plastic. Um, and that was not a powerful sniper rifle. I think it was around 300 FPS. Um, oh, that's, and then, that's what we play at in Japan. <laughs> I, I, I know. Uh, but then we wanted to upgrade and you didn't have anything like stores or uh, shops that had this upgrading capability. So I found on a sketchy forum, uh, one guy in the Philippines that made a upgrade kit for it. And I bought that from the Philippines. And I think I paid 250 euros for that upgrade kit. And yeah, that's eight, how upgrades work. They're more, they're more always more expensive than the gun. And uh, I never got it to work pretty well and then i just uh, stopped doing that and then my second one that i bought were um most of the, the 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 games that i play with back in the days like 15 years ago that was something that i bought from ebay something you also can't do anymore in a lot of places and that was a mp5 well um it, it had a uh, a different stock but this is a tokimari stock on it i did a few changes on it but it still is running and during the pandemic i learned to open the gearbox i put no gears in it and it still shoots pretty good for a yeah, I, I know well i've seen well p90s over here but i haven't seen a well mp5 like it's not a uh, it, a big brand in japan it's the mp5 is actually almost nobody heard of it it was i found i found it online on ebay i was like ah Cheap gun, need to buy it. Yeah, I've and been... then um, I think a few years later, I found shotguns in airsoft, and I I um I kept running them for years indoor, outdoors. I'm using the Tokyomari. Um, what was it? The shorty. Yeah, that the is M3 in... shorty. Yeah, but it's a special one. Oh, it's a shorty that's become a long boy. Well, it's still short, but uh, it's a custom stock that I sanded and, and made myself because there was nothing out there. There was no shotgun that had the three shots, mm. uh, the three three shot thingy uh, with a full stock. It always had the pistol grip, and I hate that. So when I, I, I wanted it, so I made it myself from a decking from my yard. Dude, I, so. I respect that. That's amazing. Like It looks like you've made a... a... I believe they're called trench guns. Yeah. And there is also like the heat shield is on it. Oh, that, you standard. put the heat shield on too. Yeah, dude, that is, that's a perfect trench gun. That is beautiful. And then I had to cut the grips because hmm. the normal uh, Tokimaru grips go a little bit higher. So hmm. they, um, it's actually a little bit easier to cock because if you grab it, grab it with your hands, you are actually pushing the plastic up to the, the, the top barrel, which makes it difficult to cock or a little bit more friction. And when you cut it, you lose that friction, and it's a oh little nice! Bit... It's going to slide a lot easier. Are yes. you running the the gas version or the spring? No spring. Ah, if you run the gas, the the cocking mechanism is so nice. Well, back in the days, you didn't have it. Like, oh, I know these, these are you know fairly new. I, I had years uh, old? my my Spaz twelve was my first shotgun from Ooh. Tokyo Marui, and yeah, it was very hard to cock like you you really had to go to town on it yeah and if people take this one they never understand how i cock it that fast but it i play with it indoor outdoor it's 260 fps i got 20 meters range with it That's fine. and it's a shotgun you yeah but if you're playing in an open woodland field and people are shooting like 
80 meters and you have 20 meters range, you have to be really fast to get into their flanks and do something fun with it. Um, so yeah, I played with that for years. And then I started working with ICS and I got some guns to test from ICS. And this one is still, if I want to do something crazy, I take my shotgun. It's always there because it's always working. You don't need gas. It's a spring operated and it keeps working every time. I like that. You need that workhorse that you can always rely on. Um, exactly. For me, I find I, I tinker with my guns so much and they're all so modified that they'll work perfectly for one game and then the next <laughs> game they won't. So I always have to bring five guns to a game just so I have one that I can use. So that I bring two, like in my the one that I'm going to use in my shotgun. No, I like that. I might start doing that as well. Like my shotgun at the moment is the the longer M870. And it's just ridiculously long to use for CQB. So I might cut that down to a breacher or just buy a breacher. I like the breachers until they start using them wrong. I like the concept of the breacher, but it became such an iconic CQB gun to, uh, let's say, hurting people because okay. of the jewel creep and uh, the amount of weight that they can put into it and HPA tap it and put a a M4 box mag underneath it yeah, and just yeah. spray the room with a overpowered gun in CQB. Yeah, so Franken guns can get annoying, but uh we're not allowed to do any of that in Japan. So like our um our CQB or depending on the field can be, you know, very strict. You are one joule max, right? One joule max on everything and normally restricted to 0.2 gram BBs. So you're not hurting people that much. No, and it's actually not a bad thing. I know some fields in Belgium still restrict up to 25s, mm -hmm. which is a good thing because you don't need the range. You don't need it's to have your BBs. Yeah, and your BBs fly faster. I Usually on my shotgun, <laughs> exactly. I have a, a mix of BBs. Um, I just had one bag with 20s, 25s, uh, 28s, everything. Yeah, throw some 16s I had a... in there, <laughs> throw some 12s. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I had a nice spread. I never knew where my shots were going, but I had three BBs, so I had a bigger chance, and they were spreading. Instead of if you have the same weight, it's doing the same thing, and it's just like a small triangle. But if you have a bigger spread, your chances of hitting the torso is bigger. Yeah, I, I love doing that with like the um the gas shotguns, because you can do, I think it's called a ghost load, and it's mm -hmm. where you uh, put in the six BBs, and then you like you cock it again, and you get 12 and then you can like put 12 uh, BBs downrange, which is nice. But you but can only really much. do it once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, man. We have, we have about uh, 40 to 50 guns in the house because, yeah, it's two of us and a lot of guns. Well, that's it sounds like a very happy apartment. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> My uh, This here is, of course, a green screen, but my actual apartment actually has more guns than this <laughs> <laughs> mine are in boxes underneath the closet um piled on each other because i don't have wall space and i know you want to display every gun in your house but exactly. i can't i can't do it because lisa is taking up a lot of space in the house uh, for, for me i actually have a rule and it's also my girlfriend kind of has the same rule for me i i i can't buy a new gun unless i can display it if there's no displays display space for it i can't buy it i can't buy guns and hide them under the bed or in the closet they every gun has to be on display and i'm i'm fine with this rule 
it is it is cool, but dusting them off must be pain in the ass. Um, yeah, but <laughs> as long as you like you use them all, like it's it's not that bad. But if you let them sit there for a long time, yeah, they do get dusty. But so yeah, you I, use them all. Um, so you switch the, the guns a lot. Basically, anytime someone comes over to my apartment for like a game night or something like that, they're like, "Oh, let me play with the sniper rifle," and then everyone's like taking all the guns out and oh, playing yeah, with yeah. them. So they they get some use. But of all the of the fifty guns, I probably have ten that have been like modified enough to be like really good on the field, and they're the ones I've spent all the money on. So they're the ones I I want to use. <laughs> a lot of the other that ones is- are just um. I just wanted the model. Like I have a UMP just because I love the design of a UMP, but it's, yeah, it's a sports line and I would never use it on the field. It's just a hundred dollar gun, but it it looks cool. And I love the design of it. So that's why I have it. We also have a UMP. It's Lisa's gun that she used for 12 years. I think the GNG one, the mm-hmm. old school one with the silencer on it. Nice. And, yeah. The straight magazines. Oh yeah. So, you yeah, need the straight magazines. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> They're really thick to like double what an ARP mag is. And a long time Lisa played with only long magazine rifles. Like she had the Thompson, the UMP, the ARP9. Everything was like long. So she had to do their specified special modified chest rig to get them all in there. I hate yep. them. Yep. No, I've only the, the Thompson. Thing, so. I've got my uh my test rig set up so I can do like long mags on the side and then I can do M4 mags in the uh, the kangaroo pouch. And that way I I don't need to keep changing like all the, um, the pouches, depending on what guns I'm using. I I can just put any mag into my, my kit. So I'm very happy about that, but yeah, changing a long mag seems to be more fiddly than changing an M4 mag. Like when you do attack reload with an M4 mag, it's, it's nice, but when you do a tack reload with an ARP9 mag, it seems to be, I don't know, just a bit more fiddly. Try doing that with a Thompson. I actually haven't used a Thompson. Some people on my oh. team used to run one, but I haven't used one yet. It is a pain in the ass. You cannot <laughs> do it with it. Yeah, you need both hands to... Yeah, you need both hands. Well, I am... Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you know when I try it, but I... Don't have access to one now. So if I see one on the field, I'll I'll go up to someone and say, can I reload that? <laughs> yes, please do. Let me know how it went. All right. So different airsoft players are good and bad at different things. Uh, for example, I'm really good at just intimidating people and rushing them down and also like motivating people to do the same thing with me. While for a weakness, I would be, well, I am just way too loud. And I make too much noise. So when it's CQB, it's not much of a problem. But when it's in woodlands and stuff, I just give away my position way too much. So how about you? What is your biggest strength and weakness? The funny thing is I prepared this question. And (laughs) I can just say, well, it's the same like you. I I wrote down fast and loud and taking leadership is my biggest strength. Okay, Uh, nice. (laughs) During bigger games, I, um, I started off just doing helping the people and then they said hey, you, you can be squad leader and i was squad leader then i went from squad leader to platoon commander and then yeah the next game i probably take a company so it is helping people and and sending them in the right direction i have been doing that for years on the bigger games uh but now it's just like the title uh, attached to it 
and uh, that, is, that is a little bit of my strength. I'm fast. Um, still, I'm getting old, but I'm still fast. And people, you look, you look very aerodynamic. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you use what you have. High speed, low drag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's still funny when you come to a game. And I went to a CQB game not that long ago, and it was like, oh damn, I feel so old. And the people were looking at me. I was standing there. People were brought in by their parents coming on bikes, on mopeds. And it was like, yeah, I, I, I came at my car. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I was. everybody was watching me because it was the first time that it was there. And a lot of people know my name, but they don't know who I am. Or how to um, pronounce it. No, no, they just don't know my face because I was always in the background. And yes, they don't know how to pronounce it anyway. And um, yeah. They were looking at me. I took out my shotgun. They were like, oh, what the hell is he bringing? And after the first game, they were coming up to me like, dude, you're crazy. I said, you know, I'm just, it's how I play. I'm CKB is fast and just go for the angles and do a, what you like to do. And then loud. Yes, I yell at people and hopefully they do what I want to do. And if they don't, um, it's totally fine. And after a time, people start accepting that you do that because they see if you work together that it works. So in open game days, I just, try to take as much people as possible to an objective and have fun as much as possible. I, I really like that. Yeah. When you listen to Stuart, you win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the weakness is um, I'm fast and I'm loud, which get me killed a lot. And yeah, yeah. exactly. They know where I am. Um, so that makes you actually a target. And I noticed, um, and it's actually one of the, the um, we will talk about it in a little bit. Uh, when you're loud, you're a target for snipers. And if they have to choose somebody, they choose you. It's interesting because it we don't have snipers. So that's probably how I can get away with this. Well, or just gill it up people. Or mm. if you have to choose somebody and there are 60, 70 people in front of you and there is one shouting commands, yeah, you're going to get yeah, that good. one, right? And then, um, yeah, that was basically my weakness. Um, people know where I am. But you can use it in advantage and go as a flanking unit and distract them as much as possible while the others are moving up. Dude, I, I agree 100%. That's what we did in uh, a game last week where it was just down to me and uh, my partner, Dan. And we had to like capture a flag. And they had like 10 or so people about 30 meters from the flag. And the flag was only like 10, 15 meters in front of us. So it was quite easy to get to it. But as soon as we would get to the flag, we would just be in everyone's line of sight. So he's like, Stuart, go cause cause a distraction. So I did. And it was just me dual wielding, charging the entire enemy base, just making all the noise, shooting all the BBs. I got mag dumped by like seven people. But while while that happened, Dan got the flag and we won. So be, being it's all noisy. all part of the mission. Yeah, it's all part of the mission. And they're like, haha, we killed you. It's like, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it is airsoft. You can take, you can do that. You and can I, I'm fun. in full kit. I don't care about being shot. Like I have a die mask. You can't hurt me. Yeah, I lost a tooth once. I that, that happened in my first year of playing airsoft. Uh, a guy got his tooth shot out by a sniper point blank from his own team. The <laughs> sniper was behind him, and he didn't hear him. He like turned around. Sniper shot him right in the mouth. Took out his front teeth. And it's like, Ooh. why weren't you wearing a mask, man? Like that, that's on you. Well, I, I come from a time where there were no masks. Me, me too. Like, uh, uh, but 
we would always play in like sunglasses, like tactical sunglasses, ballistic sunglasses, mm -hmm. and a mouth guard. So like a boxing mouth guard we would wear. Oh, um, I played, I think, 12, 13 years without anything. Like I had a small scarf. If I get in contact, I pull up the scarf just to dampen the hit. Mm. And that shot was, I think, 30, 40 meters away from me. And I got hit. And I'm usually, don't smile when you're rushing. Otherwise, mm. your, your yeah. feet are showing. I so that. I was not smiling. And I, I actually, I was just shouting hit when I, the second BB or the one of the BBs that was coming my way when I shouted hit. I showed my teeth and the next one hit my teeth oh. and the guy came running up to me saying, sorry. I was like, yeah, it's my, it's my responsibility to not protect it. And I will get uh yeah, I will fix it. And it's, I will pay $700 to fix it. I, I got a good uh, insurance. Like I'm at the Belgian Air Association and they have dental insurance included in it. Um, that is fantastic. So we, it's we... still there. But one of my friends got shot in the face during a CQB game and he was wearing a dye mask and he lost his tooth through the dye mask. The wow. BB went through the um, the ribs in front of the dye mask and because of the power, it just pushed through, hit the teeth on the wrong spot and it broke. That's amazing. I didn't know that could happen. It can. Wow. And that's why a lot of the, um, a lot of people are having like string through the um, the front mesh because then you make the gaps a little bit smaller or they have a plastic or metal, even more, um, what's the English word? Like the metal sheeting thingy. Oh, mesh. Yeah. A mesh taped inside of the, the helmet. I've seen lots of masks coming out of Europe that are all like balaclavas with mesh uh, around the mouth. That seems to be really popular at the moment. I, yeah. I don't like it. Um, you got the Valhalla masks or yeah, something. Valhalla mask. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, you can you have to wear it underneath your nose, mm. but then I, I can't breathe through my nose. And if you wear it on top of your nose, you're just fogging up your glasses constantly. Mm. To you. Yeah, I don't, I don't like wearing a balaclava in combat. I just get too hot and I sweat too much. Mm -hmm. If you run, you get too hot. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, understand. Like wear assault. Like we, we will run all day. We'll run all up on people in full gear. We sweat. <laughs> And wear mm -hmm. old. <laughs> yeah, that's why on open games, I'm wearing a pushy night mask, not a dye mask, uh, because it's funny because I tested them out and the pushy night masks have less sound uh, ricocheting in your head because mm. there are more small holes. Mm. And also the rubber on the sides is more flexible, so you can lean into your buttstock a lot more. Um, it's not like the hitting your buttstock. Yeah, it's I found more like one. pushing yeah. it away. Yeah, I found when I've got my dye mask on, I lose a lot of my hearing and I can't use like ADS as well. Oh, try to try to uh, look for the uh, push your night masks. They are also they are amazing. And in the store, I just put one on my head and started shouting. Mm. So to see what it did. And in the uh, the dye masks, they have a lot more. You just get deaf from your own voice. Yeah, and... yeah, I can really hear myself uh, when I got my dye mask on. The other one is better. I'll, I'll send you a link. To send me a link. Video. I'm always up for getting a better mask. <laughs> All right. So people play Airsoft for a variety of reasons. Uh, I hear some people uh, play Airsoft because of the community aspect. Other people, it's health and fitness. Some people do it for mental health. And other people just like hunting people. How about you? What is the reason that you play Airsoft? Hmm. A little bit of everything, I think. It's like the perfect combination of everything that you can do 
<clears throat> you have your I don't go like weekly to games. I try to go monthly and sometimes a CQB game in between. And you have to prepare for a lot of stuff. So you have to get your physique in order. So yep. if I want to go to the bigger games, I go on my rowing machine and I get my physique in order. Um, I have to check my how I eat to get ready to go to those bigger games. So it's a lot of the preparation that keeps me going. If I would like go to a normal running scheme or something, it's just that what you do. But before you have to go to a bigger game, you have to make sure that a lot of things are checked in check boxes and stuff like that. Um, and besides the the physical and the mental aspect is that you're always working. Um, it's also the, the friends and the friendships that you create during the, especially the bigger games. Like mm -hmm. I met a lot of my best friends in different countries during those bigger games because you create a special bond. And I, I can't say that it's, it's the same thing. Like if you go to the military and you are spending a lot of time with the people to create that bond that brotherhood of people but in some way it's a little bit similar because especially burgett that is 66 hours non-stop gaming you go to your bone uh, you go to the to the core of the person you don't care anymore and you don't have a filter anymore you just spit oh, it yeah. out to the person yeah. and if he agrees and he can still manage to to talk to you and be friends afterwards after you gave him a lot of shit um that creates a special bond and those people that you can keep going with, yeah, those people, um, I could call them my one of my best friends around the world. I, so I agree 100%. My, my best friends in Japan are all from Airsoft. And the friends that you have made through Airsoft, are, you just have a special bond with. So yeah, I, I really agree with everything you said. Very well said. All right, let's get into round two. Uh, for round two, we're going to talk about preferences. And I've got four... Um, Topics here, attachment, airsoft brand, game type, and after airsoft beverage. Let's limit the answer to 90 seconds so we can use this for an Instagram reel. So please be opinionated. Please be energetic. Uh, please be interesting. And uh, please answer the question. <laughs> 90 seconds. <clears throat> uh, when you have 10 seconds remaining, I'll raise my hand so you know to finish up. That's why I prepared a little bit because I know I can go <laughs> a little bit out of track a lot of the times. But ah, you'll, um, be, you'll be fine. I will. I'll try to do my best. <laughs> if not, we just do a second take. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's it's fine. All right. So, what's your favorite attachment, airsoft brand, game type, and after airsoft beverage? Well, I can be very brief on that. And the airsoft attachment that I love, that is my ACOG, and I have it here with me, um, it's because it fits on every rifle. Um, it goes with me with every rifle that I use. It fits on my AKM4 or my M249. That's why I love this ACOG. It's a red dot. It's not magnified. It's just simple red dot, and it works. Then my favorite airsoft brand, that is ICS. I have been an ICS captain for five years, and I just love their split gearbox and their... Uh, they're special designs of rifles and their World War II range of rifles. It's just an amazing brand with special rifles. And that's why I love it. And it has an amazing way of opening them up, especially the split, gear, the split gearbox. Um, then the game type that I love, it is a mix between uh, Milsim and uh, Sunday game. Um, it's a team event where you can play a lot with your teams, but the teams stay a lot together. And that's why I love the mix of both of them. And then the last question, Airsoft Beverage, that should be 
um, water, water and a Coke. That is to keep myself hydrated again and to have a little bit of energy to drive back a lot of the times, a lot of hours. That is basically it. I try to be as brief as possible. Nice. Minute 10. That was a good answer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with all of those. Having a good red red dot side is really all you need. Uh, ICS have, have, has a really cool split gearbox. It's really great how they just break apart. Um, and yeah, water. Water is very, very important. You can <laughs> never drink too much water at Airsoft. Exactly. Right. Uh, round three, this is keeping it local. We want to explore uh, the local uh, Airsoft scene. So for the viewers listening, where exactly do you play Airsoft? I, um, I'm from Belgium, but the Belgium Airsoft scene and the fields are, they're okay, but it's limited. So I try to play a little bit in Belgium, but my main thing is going to other countries. Like Sweden is one of the most favorite countries I like to play because of the nature, the type of people, the, the, the vibe that is going on in Sweden is completely different than in other countries. And that's why I love to go to those bigger games in Sweden. Nice, nice. So Airsoft prices change and uh, Airsoft isn't the same price all around the world. So to play Airsoft uh, in Belgium, how much does it cost? Well, it, it depends on where you go a little bit. Um, they try to keep the prices a little bit the same. And I had a lot of talks with organizers about that. And they want to raise the prices a little bit. And I completely understand that because their costs are going up. But they are afraid to raise those prices because then they might be more expensive than the other organizer. And I try to tell them that they just have to be, they have to check their costs and make a good business model about that. So the prices go from 15 euros for a um, evening game. Those go, the evening games are between 15, 20 euros, something like that. And the, the bigger games usually are 25. Um, so they will go a little bit higher now um, with the, yeah, the, the, the raising of everything of prices and, and everything is getting more expensive for the organizer itself. So I think it will be around 25 to 30 euros for a normal day event from 10 to four ish. Okay, nice. That's very similar to Japan. It's, it seems like it's quite standardized. Of course, there's going to be a difference with the currency exchange, but yeah, it's, it's, it's much of a muchness. Um, you mentioned briefly that you do like playing airsoft in some different countries. So you play in Belgium, uh, you play over in Sweden. I'm guessing that you don't go to Germany. So for, <laughs> for your selection of fields, like, do you have a lot of fields? Is it like five or 10? Is it 20, a hundred? Like how many options do you have? Um, it is difficult um, because in Belgium is split up in two parts. You got the, the Flemish part in, in the north and the French part in the south. And the airsoft scene is complete, completely different. We don't know each other. We don't talk with each other. And we don't go to each other's events because I'm, they speak. I'm guessing the French side is worse. It's different. The French <laughs> is uh, <laughs> the French is um, where we were 10 years ago. So they play in uh, local forests. Uh, they have an agreement with a landowner where they can shoot airsoft in flanders we cannot do that anymore because of regulations environmental laws so that's why most of the fields in flanders are cqb games and most okay. of the woodland games are in the french part because they don't need to have um, an environmental permit in 
the French part, which is stupid because it's the same country. Um, so a lot of the Flemish organizers try to find fields in the French part. So uh, even though it's a, uh, a Flemish organizer organizing in, in the French part, the French players are usually not coming because they don't know about it. So we have about how many fields should we have in Flanders? I don't know, um, six, seven, maybe okay. not that many. Um, and in the French part, it is go nuts. Every farmer that has a small forest can be can be a field. Nice. So you've got options. I do, but it's always quite far away because we live in the West Flemish part, and most of the fields are between. One an hour is the least. Well, I got a few CKB fields that are within the hour, but if I want to go woodland, I always drive an hour up to two and a half hours in Belgium. Okay, I I understand. Like for us, I've I've got 50, 60 fields that are kind of like within an hour. Damn. Um it's Tokyo. Like we we have a really good train system. It's very easy to get everywhere. Yeah, I, but, I heard that that you go to public transport a lot to play airsoft. Yeah, yeah, I just, I've got a uh, nice uh, suitcase, kind of like a weapons case that like all of my uh, pl my plate carriers, my armor, my guns all just fit in that. And I just take that, I just walk to the station, which is 10 minutes, then I just jump on the train and the train takes me to the field. Uh, some fields, there's one field that's even like below the monorail. So you just like get off the monorail and you're at the field. Um, some fields are in malls. So like the top floor of a mall will be an airsoft field. Um, and other ones, like if you go to like a, uh, a field that's far from a station, you just get off at the station and then you ring the field and they come and they pick you up in a shuttle bus. So you don't that is, need a that car. Is interesting. That is very interesting uh, because here it, it's not working like that because at some cases, I think with, um, certain bus companies, you're not allowed to take any rifles with you. And because, um, airsoft is under yeah, the gun laws you're not allowed to take uh, airsoft rifles with you so that's why people sometimes take their rifles into guitar bags or keyboard cases mm -hmm. or put keyboard stickers on it to not um, make the people afraid on the bus that you are carrying a gun case yeah in japan um no one cares because there's no guns in japan so if you have a gun case on on the uh on the train everyone's oh, yeah. like oh, it's probably got a keyboard in it like no one cares. <laughs> That's good. Like here, there yeah, is. It is good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> here it's different. People They're are right. more skeptical. Yeah. In Japan, no, no, no one cares. No one, <laughs> no one looks. No one notices. There's no gun knowledge. All right. So let's have a look at the gaming culture. So in Japan, basically, we don't do milsim. Uh, there's no milsim games that are regularly available. Um, of course, there's going to be one or two, but they're going to be private and they're hard to access. So majority of the games are going to be like woodland games and they're going to be uh, like CQB games. There's urban games as well. We have lots of public games where, you know, everyone shows up. And if I had to define the play style, I would say 90% of people are very, very passive and they just kind of like stay in the base or they camp around the base and they're kind of like, kind of sniping with an m4 if you know what i mean i know what you mean <laughs> and 10 percent of players will be like me where they're gonna be they're gonna be bum rushing people they're gonna be strategic they're either gonna be moving like in a fire team and trying to get to the objective 
uh, they're going to be advancing on the enemy, but 90% of people are just going to be staying in the safe area and then trying to just like trade shots at like 40, 50 meters uh, with the enemy, which I think is just the worst. But how about you? Uh, what's the scene like in Belgium? I think you, you have the same people here, um, especially in the open events. People just treat it like, oh, this is my Sunday off. I just want to have fun in what I want to do. And I don't really care what other people do. Oh, yeah, I'm going to stand here and, and be cool and just shoot my rifle to other people. And hopefully mm -hmm. I hit somebody. Mm -hmm. And then, um, of course, trying to, like, yeah not being active in the game mm, um, yes. and then you have a few guys uh, that always go for the mission and you notice that if like my team is really good in that if we are there we connect with people and we try to bring them with us we divide our team into different sections so we have radio communication with each other oh yeah and we can steer like bigger groups of the team and then people it's not that people don't want to do it but they just don't really know how to do it. And they just like go back to what they know. And they just yeah. shoot from um, a tree. But as, as soon as somebody comes up with them and say like, okay, we can do this, this, and we can try to move in like this. And they say, like, okay, yeah, let's do that. So I don't think it's, um, there is guidance needed on the yes. field. Yes. Um, I don't think the people want to be static. They just don't know what to do. But if you go to a CQB game, everybody's running solo and doing their thing. Yeah, CQB is fine because it's a much smaller field too. So it's harder to use team strategies in CQB, especially if you have a... Um, a lot of our CQB is high wall CQB. So yeah. you can't see the field and you're literally just running a maze and just every corner you might engage. So as soon as you... As soon as like my partner like goes around a corner, he's dead to me. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Unless we know the field inside and out and we've like planned our paths or something, as soon as you lose visual confirmation of your teammate, they're gone. <laughs> That's why I tried to introduce a game type. I think it was eight or nine years ago where you play with your team and you, you play with six teams. On It can be outdoor, indoor, and you stick with your team because there is a special respawn rule that you can only respawn if you with your full team are back with the respawn or on the respawn. And you can be you can do that alive or dead. So if you lost somebody, you can say, okay, we can go a little bit on with four people, but we will keep the one at the respawn for now. And if you lose two more people, you can say, okay, the two more that are alive can go back to the respawn, pick up the five people again, and you play as a team because you have to stick together. Because that's if they don't nice. know you're I've, dead, I've never heard of that rule before, but that's it really is. interesting. It's it's very uh, battlefieldy. I like it. Yeah, and I like to have. Um, I, I prepared it for a, a later question too, but we can go <laughs> here. Um, it is the difference between a Sunday game and a Milsim game because a lot of people want to go to Taksim games or anything that has the name Milsim in it. But it's really difficult to say what Milsim is because nobody has a real definition of what Milsim is. It's just military simulation. Yeah. The, the so what I tried to do could be cleaning the toilets. Exactly. So what I tried to do. And that worked really well. Uh, it's a little bit more for the organizer to get a little bit of balanced teams. And you just give them their uh, squad leaders and you just give the mission to the squad leaders. So you only have to give the briefing to six people and they're brief their people. Um, they have a medic system. Uh, we tried a new medic system, which is one of the, the coolest one that I like to play with. 
Um, and you just try to stick together. You keep the teams together as long as possible while they go over the field. And you can do that indoor, you can do that outdoor. But the advantage is that you play with those five people or 10 people, depending on the outdoor, the whole day. And that creates a really cool environment because it's six people against five other teams of six people. So you're playing against 25 or 60 people. And that is really cool. Are you playing like um, five teams? So each team is trying to kill the other team or there's only two teams with three cells? Oh, no, it's all against each other. Oh, I like that. So it's basically it's battle royal teams or it's just five a game with five teams. Yeah. It is nice. um well it's not bad at all because you can always go back to the respawn. Yeah. And this this it's not getting smaller and smaller. You, mm. you you can if you don't want to engage and you don't want to attack certain points because then you have to speak you have to make special missions for those game types. So I have special missions where you got some intel that you have to gather and then people the, the teams avoid each other. They just go to the intel points and then they gather, they they go sneaky. And then you have missions where the objective in the middle and then the six teams are fighting for it for example i made a box with six buttons hmm. and the team needs to press the button so at some point there will be one person of that team still holding that button while the other teams are fighting to get in so it's going to be like um, switching teams that is pressing the button and at the end the team that held the button the longest wins the game oh that's cool i was talking to someone about a game type like that yesterday and he says that he does it using a chess timer so yeah, you know how but... a chess timer's got the the two buttons. Yeah, he, he sets up three of these in three different locations of the of the map, and then the teams have to go there mm. and hit the button. And then at the end of the um, twenty minutes or one hour, or whatever, they look at the times and they tally the total time to see who won. I'm like, yeah, that's a really cool mechanic. Yeah, we use that also, but the problem is you can only do it with two teams. It's hard so to get a chess timer with five buttons. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I can send you. I made a document about the the game type. I also made a video about it, so I can I can send it to you. Um, it as an organizer, you can have so many options with that mm -hmm. game type because if you have two teams, you're limited. Yeah. If you have six teams, you can even do attack and defense. You can have four teams attacking, two ten two teams defending, and then the the teams are working together. To, uh, so four teams are working together and then two teams working together. But you can also just have like two teams um, teaming up with each other and then you have three teams fighting against an for an objective or any other mission. Or you can just have them all fighting against each other. Yeah, dude, this sounds great. Send me the information. Like I've started uh, running my own events, so I, I would love to learn from a pro. So thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm not a pro. I just try to make it as interesting as possible for the players. Well, that, that's the key. If it's not interesting, they're not going to come. <laughs> um, quick question about restrictions. Like, are there any interesting restrictions in Belgium about playing airsoft? Like, you mentioned one previously about you can't basically play outside in one part of um, Belgium, but you can play outside in the, the French part, but not in the non-French part. Are there any other interesting local restrictions? Um. No real um, special restrictions. Every field has a little bit of his own rules. Um, so I think most is the same as in every country because things are coming over from like the Netherlands and France. And that is funny in Belgium. Our rules are changing because our language is changing. 
um, and the French are the French people, the Walloons are going with the French rules, and then the the Belgians are sometimes also looking to the the Dutch rules because a lot of the Dutch people coming play in Belgium and the French people go. So we're basically always invaded by the two countries by everything that we do, and we are too small to have our own opinion because it's gonna get overruled by the bigger countries that influence us. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, good answer. Let's uh, go to round four now. This here is how you play. Uh, I'd also like to use this for Instagram. So let's limit our answers to 90 seconds. There are six uh, different prompts where you have a for and against for camping, respawn, solo, indoor, high caps, and power source. Uh, please limit your answer to 90 seconds. Try to be interesting. Try to be opinionated. Try to be persuasive. And uh, let's get some good reels for Instagram. So is it... 90 seconds per question or is it yes. 90 seconds in total 90 seconds per question okay. otherwise that would just be just trash <laughs> <laughs> that's why i ask but it's you, apparently like everyone has asked me that question so i'm not doing a good job explaining it so i'm going to have to think of a, a better way to explain this <laughs> well because the first question is you you have different steps you, you take and then now you you have I, I got it because you said you got different topics, six, and you got it. I'd rather ask to be sure. Right. All right. So let's look at the first one, 90 seconds. How do you feel about camping versus attacking? Well, it's it's a really difficult question because you, you the, both of the options you can use in a game, like camping is good for some reasons, attacking is good for some reason, but camping can be bad if you do it in the wrong spot, but also attacking can be bad if you do it in the wrong spot and it's also depend it's very it's very depending on when you use what tactic that makes it interesting or really bad so i like to do both if if, if i need to defend i'm gonna go and do a camping mode if i need to attack i go to in an attacking mode nice i, I agree uh, they're both good but they have to be used correctly if everyone camps it's boring if everyone attacks it's the best thing ever <laughs> that is true we've when you get the full team bum rush, my God, it is, it's a thing of beauty. It's like a flight of the Valkyries. You have like just 20 people screaming and shooting and running at the enemy base. It's terrifying. And then when you're in the enemy base and you see 20 targets running at you, it's fantastic fun to shoot them all. So it's great fun for both people. Yes. On, on Birgit, we, I think it was Birgit. 14 or 15 we attacked the enemy and the enemy base with 600 people nice and they were sleeping <laughs> and, and the organizers said you know you can't do it you can't do it no you can't but we did it anyway and the organizers <laughs> had to take us out with um artillery fire so we lost 75 percent of our people now and we had to walk three kilometers up to the enemy base so we were the special forces clearing roads we've got vehicles incoming and the organizers destroyed the vehicles. None of them got into the base. They were all destroyed by the organizer because we were going to like kill everybody and take over the base. They killed 75% of our infantry by artillery strikes. And we still managed to get fighting, get fights going inside their base. And they had to launch artillery strikes in their base. <laughs> and um, we nice. were, we had a hundred percent kill and they were not, affected by their own artillery so but we still managed to have a good fight we all died 
doesn't uh, matter. It's fun. <laughs> it was awesome. It's you get a great my... story. Yeah, it was Don't awesome. Get that many great stories from camping. Exactly. All right. Uh, question number two: How do you feel about respawn versus non-respawn? I actually had to look up non-respawn modes because we never use non-respawn modes in our country. Uh, we always have respawn modes. And I can understand that non-respawn modes for certain games can be really interesting. But usually when you introduce that, the game is going to die because nobody's moving anymore. Um, and with the respawn modes, you create a better atmosphere. You can create a better vibe on the players that try to push. Otherwise, everybody's just sitting on their ass not doing anything so i'm a big fan of the respawn modes if you can uh if you have a logical respawn mode nice that's what i've heard from other players as well like you need respawn modes with purpose uh and it has to fit the game type the problem in japan is almost all of our games are non-respawn and that kind of explains why the players are so defensive they they only have one life to give so that they don't want to use it recklessly I, on the other hand, use it recklessly, and it's more fun. Because <laughs> when you get a team wipe, when you only have one life, it's dope. <laughs> well, what we do in Belgium is we have respawn, but we limit the amount of respawns. Yeah, so For example, you, you can say we have uh, 20 respawns for the whole team, and then or you have 20 medic bandages for the whole team. And then you can... The people that want to push... Um, so if push. you... Yeah, they, they can push. And if you have the medic rule, they still have to be a little bit close. They can't go really solo because if they do, they're dead anyway. But if you stick with the team with the medic rule, you can uh, get the people that are trying to push. You can still get them if your team is still moving forward. Yep, I'm completely for that. I love playing that rule. It's just a very rare rule here. I've only played it maybe once or twice this year. Um, it doesn't seem to be in common usage, but... The games I run are definitely running a, a medic rule or running a limited number of uh, respawns is is great. Uh, single, not non-respawn uh, is really good too, but if you have non-respawn or if you have just three lives, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's basically the same. Uh, but if you have completely unlimited respawns, the problem with a small map is that you will get bottlenecks in the map and yeah. you won't be able to move past the midpoint and you won't be able to flank, you won't be able to do any type of maneuver. All you're going to do is die, walk back, and then you'll get right back to the middle of the map again and then you're just going to have to like pick a barricade and shoot at people because that's all you can do. You'll never be able yeah. to move past the middle because as soon as you kill one person... They go back, but someone else has then taken their spot, and that line just never budges. And I just hate that game type. I, I played a CQB game, and that was one of the coolest things that I ever played. That was in Finland, and they had a box in the middle with two lights. And if your color was on, you were not allowed to respawn. So the attackers on the other side that didn't have the light on, they always had respawns to get to the light. So it was always going to be taken over. And as soon as the light switches, the respawn switches. So then the other team is not allowed to respawn. And then the attackers are now, or the defenders are now the attackers and they can all like swarm in at the same time. And that creates a really cool vibe. Because That's a cool dynamic. I like that. Switch the light. You have to be ready because you're going to have the whole team coming for that one point. 
as soon as like the light goes blue, it's like, oh, we're immortal. Let's go. Like, yes, exactly. Cool. Nice. Um, I I'll try to run that for my events too. I'm not sure how I'll I'll do the lighting, but I like it. Yeah, when when you said there's always like the smaller fields with the high covers, it's really yeah. difficult. But then yeah. I was thinking of a system because if you have a small team, you can have a uh, an app, for example, that is connected to Wi-Fi because you're mostly in a building that has Wi-Fi or four yeah, G connection. Wi-Fi everywhere. And then you can just make an app then and have a light in the respawn or a tablet in the respawn with two colors, and it can just switch and um rs alpha is always an option to do that and, and it's one of the people that i like to follow it's an, an app that usually just tracks people and create a game but with that you can have a box in the middle as soon as the button is pushed the change you can have a circle on your field and it shows up on the map it color changes respawn is on for the blue team nice a lot of our fields have good technology in regards to like audio we've got like integrated like um sirens and stuff like that for uh flags oh. so you have to like hold down two buttons and then all the sirens go off and stuff but there's not much like integrated lights well you can if people just shout or through the microphone or whatever um team change or blue team has the point then everybody knows yeah we could just do it through audio and yeah that could work nice well audio people airsofters try to forget a lot of stuff during the game so if there is no visual cue when they come to the respawn, they will always ask, can we respawn or not? Oh, having it at the, the respawn light. would be fine. Uh, we could have two lights at the respawn, but we couldn't have centralized lighting. That wouldn't work. Oh, you can have just one button in the middle and then the, the respawn light changes. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's easy. I can just use Google lights or uh, like an LED strip for that. Yeah, you can have one in the middle that if the people are, are on the button, they know that the light switches. Otherwise, they don't know. Yeah, no, dude, that that's good. Okay, I will send you one. the video of that game mode. I also made a video about that. Cool. Send it to me. I can put it up on my channel if you like. Or I can just I, like look, just learn from it. <laughs> Whatever you like. That's why I make the videos. People can learn from the things that I know. All right. Uh, solo play versus team play. Um, solo play. I think for CQB, solo play is mostly used. Um, I'm a big fan of team play. Even though in CQB, I try to communicate with my team. But you just have to take in account that people can die and they have to come back to another way. Um, both are needed. Again, same as the camping and, and um, um, attacking mode. Both can be really fun, even though solo play without communicating with your team, I don't like it because you're just doing something that might screw up things that other people are doing or even screw up the organizers, uh, thing that they try to do. So I'm a big fan of team play. Yeah, dude, I, I agree 100%. All, I'm all about the force multiplier if I can run with a squad, we are going to take the objective. Half of us will die, but we'll have a cool story and we'll take the objective. But if we're all yeah. playing individually, we'll never get the objective. Yeah. I, in my last platoon, I had one guy that always wants to go solo and I just let him do that. But he was always coming back to me, asking me, can I go to that direction and do this? I always said, yes, okay. Then I could work my team around him a little bit so he can yeah, that's be fine. taking you, you out you can send a lone flags. wolf in it, yeah and then you can work with him as a diversion sure that works and then we lost him a couple of times but yeah. he he knows that and we then we get fullback points and we get um cues and when he needed to come back he was always there so if we said okay we need to, you to come back for this mission then he was there so it's it's team play but he was still a solo player within the bigger group 
It was just a solo cell. That's fine. You you can use assets yeah, like that. Exactly. All right. Indoor games versus outdoor games. I love both. I, I'm I love indoor games, just but mostly in the evening. Like I just want to go full out, sweaty, just go nuts, shooting people, um, going crazy. I'm always fucked up after a game like that. Um but for a slow Sunday game, I like to go outdoors and play with the team. Especially outdoor, you have a lot more options to go. Like there are there are a million options to go from tree to tree or go down. In CQB or indoor, you're mostly limited to the entrances you have, which creates a bottlenecks like you told if you have a respawn mode. So I like both uh, for a different vibe. Dude, I, I agree 100%. There's, there's no best way to play Airsoft. Um, it's annoying when people say like indoor is the best or outdoor is the best. Honestly, do indoor to perfect your skills because there's so many skills you need for indoor. You need clearing. You need the, the quick shot. You need the snaps. There's so many techniques you need at indoor to get good at just shooting people really quickly. And then when you play outdoor, you can use these skills too because yeah. when you're doing like a big game, you might be playing in a forest, but then you have to clear a building. And then when you clear that building, you're using those indoor skills. So you have to train both. Exactly. And we we have been talking uh, with organizers about CQB rules for jewel values. Hmm. And people were like, yeah, CQB should be a little bit lower. Oh, yeah. CQB always... at one jewel is fine. And outdoor, three jewels is fine. But the problem is, and um, a lot of the engagements within a woodland environment can also be very, very close. Because uh, depending on the uh, vegetation you have, you can be in CQB ranges. You can be uh, in a bamboo field or whatever that is so thick on vegetation that you have to use CQB stuff to go around like small bushes, uh, clear out an opening. Um, so I think there is a big difference. Yes, a building or woodland, but a lot of the engagements in woodland are in indoor um um, distances especially the That's... way i play I, I i turn outdoor games into indoor games just by yeah. bomb rushing people especially um, with my shotgun right you, you turn it into an indoor game but yeah it works high caps versus low caps i'm a low cap guy um i love playing low caps i love the reload i love to set my kit for having um low caps and need to do reloads i train to that um i love to have the pressure when i'm reloading and they're rushing me and i have to go to my sidearm or i have to yell to my team cover me i'm reloading hmm. um i understand high caps because it's the perfect thing for new people to get into um i don't like the sound it makes um it's easily to <laughs> hear them coming with their high caps um but yeah i'm a low cap guy for sure yeah me me too so <laughs> I used to play like mid caps, high caps, but now, um, cause I want to make, I'm making videos, got YouTube and Insta and all that stuff. It's important to look good and there's reloads look good. If you can fire off a few rounds and then you're empty and you can like throw the magazine out, put the new magazine in and then shoot the enemy as they come around with a fresh mag, it looks fantastic. But if you're just dumping 300 rounds, it just doesn't look as cool. Like the closer it gets to realism, the clo the more cool it looks. That that is true. I usually run around eighty rounds in my magazine. That is, um, I tried to calculate. Usually it was sixty or seventy. Two round, two BBs for every um, real 
bullet that yeah, is yeah, in that, the magazine. That's fine because it's airsoft, yeah. Th- yeah 30 so- is quite hard to use. Like my teammate Mayday was running his um uh scar heavy with 20 round mags and it's hard. If you get into like CQB, I can understand it because then you every shot that you do will not be interfered by a, a leaf or a small branch that is interfering with it with a bullet would just go straight through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that CQB, I can understand the, the lower capacity. But then on the other hand, the more you can see the drum mags in CQB, and you can see more drum mags in CQB than you can see in um, woodland environments, which is funny because you don't need to do it. No. Uh, because I, I would never use a drum mag in, in CQB. Um, yeah, a, mi- a mid is is fine in CQB because most of our CQB games are just five or 10 minute games. And lots of times, <laughs> most of the time, it's a trade. Anytime you shoot someone, they just shoot you back and you get yeah. a trade. So it's very hard to get a kill streak. Like the best kill streak I got was like 10 people. And I was just over the moon that that happened because. <laughs> I had no idea how I even did that. So I was so happy I got that on on film. But most of the shots I got was shooting people in the back. Uh, as soon as you're shooting people face to face, it's going to be a trade because yeah. they'll shoot you. They'll shoot you after you shoot them. Go low. It helps a lot. What's that? Go low. They don't expect it. Yeah, especially like I, I'm tall. I'm 193, and I try to go around like all corners from like a low entry while I go and like scoop down and then shoot up. And no one expects to see me on the floor. So people are like, what? Boom. And you, you get them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Last one. Uh, power source, electric, spring, gas, or HPA, which is your preferred? Um, electric is my preference because it just keeps working. Um, same with spring, especially the shotguns. I'm not a big fan of snipers. I like the idea of snipers. I just can't sit in one space. Mm. Um, so I like electric and spring because it works. And if it breaks, it's easy to fix. Gas is not that easy because it's uh, really temperature effective. Hmm. I like the GBBRs that are coming out, but it's just not practical. I like the idea of it, but it's not perfected. And, and the gas is always doing weird stuff uh, depending on the temperature. HPA, um, I can see the value in certain areas. I just don't like to have the hose sticking out of me because I'm a very active guy and I want to, if somebody needs a gun, I'm always giving my gun first, especially if I'm in a leader role. I don't need my rifle, so I just hand them my rifle so they can do some more damage without going back to respawn. Um, and in speed could be, I understand HPA because it's working. Um, everything has its, its meaning and everything works in a certain way. Um, so yeah. I'm a fan of everything if you use it in the right environment and space and time. I agree, hundred uh, um, percent. They're they're all good, and what you said about uh, gas is so true. Like my my teammates who play with gas rifles, half to, half of the time they're dealing with malfunctions in game, and you hear like "quick cover me, gas purge," and then all the gas comes out of their rifle and stuff, and you're like quick field strip and they're putting their gun back together and stuff and you're like come on man we're trying to we're trying to kill people <laughs> and it, this happens a lot so it's happened enough that i've i've really noticed it but people with electric guns like there's no issues they're always working i had to take down my m249 in an, in an assault and break it down completely because a bb got stuck in somewhere and i had to field strip it while running backwards with all the parts in my hand while getting shot at and people were covering me going to the next fullback point trying to fix it again yeah it was 
it was fun, but it, it only happens a few times. Yeah, I um, had an issue with my, I got a CO2 MP5 that I just love. It's the, uh, the SRC model. And somehow a BB like got into the gearbox and I didn't even know how that was possible. But yeah, it just like wouldn't fire or anything. And I, I took it to the um the gun shop. They opened up. I was like, yeah, a BB got into the gearbox. I'm like, damn, that doesn't make how? sense. I don't know, but that's why it didn't work. And just the problems they had, that. like they take it apart. It's there's like four parts. Like it's really easy to disassemble. But yeah, there's just BBs. BBs just ruin stuff. I was thinking how that can happen i think it's if, if it's a, a version three gearbox you have a small opening uh at the the corner of the or is it you have a small opening here yeah and it might be that it, it got in there that's the only reason the only way I, that it can get in there i don't know but i was very surprised by that <laughs> all right let's move into round five this is living the dream let's look at what you would do if you had all of the money so let's oh, look at guns. Money. If you had all the money and you could buy any airsoft gun, what is your dream airsoft gun? Well, I am building it actually. And I've been building it for 14 years, 13 years or something. Okay. So it's going to be finished soon. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it is. Oh, very nice. A, a M1919A4. Mm -hmm. uh this is full metal i don't know if you can see it this oh, is I, I can see it that looks milliliter. very heavy. um yeah it is around 10 12 kilos um fully loaded you can have a box mag mounted on it on the side so you can sling mm. shoot it have it sling loaded and shoot with it it works there is an m14 uh full barrel inside of it so the range is amazing and you have two or three thousand bbs you can shoot it has a rate of fire of about eight rounds per second it's just like bup, 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 bup. it's all you need people get afraid from it um it has been a project that i have been working on for so long because i always get stuck on the things that costs money and then i have to try to find a way to do it and i can find that way because i i bought the 3d printer then i can 3d print some stuff and and that would be the dream to just run around with a sling loaded m1919 a4 that is heavy and can do some real damage Dude, I, I like that. Why did you choose the slow firing speed though? Like eight RPS is half of a, a regular AEG. You don't need anything more. You don't. You don't want to hold keep... people at like 40 RPS? No, they will that's the thing. If you shoot BBs at the steady rate, they will keep their heads down. Any that's, if you shoot that's true, that's true. If you use or 40, yeah. you can shoot I can shoot like three times the time with, with this gun then you can or anybody else with a 40 rps gun so i can just i can keep the people heads down a lot longer so only that's, advantages that's true you don't really need the uh the the high rps if you're just using oh. it for suppression so yeah that's a good point and even if you're not using for suppression you don't need the, the 40 i always run around 10 12 rps anyway I like the 40. I I just like to go and everyone's like, ah, and they, everyone hides. And it's I don't know, it's I, I love it. will hide. But I, I I'll use my 40 RPS with mid-cap mags. So I, I run that with like 80 round oh. mags. And Done. you just, you shoot and then you reload. You shoot and you reload. It's 
All right, it's, so, it's difficult, yeah. It is, it is. All right, so there's different kind of airsoft events that I've seen. I've seen, like, in Belgium and stuff, you've got, like, Silo and Novridge, like, running around a, an old abandoned castle. In America, I've seen, like, um, Jet Desert Fox uh, doing a hostage rescue from an abandoned plane in the desert. And I've seen, like, Airsoft Alphonse, like, up in a helicopter shooting at people. You've got Dutch the Hooligan playing in a abandoned mall that looks like it's from Call of Duty. How about you? It, what would your ideal airsoft event be if you had all the money? Um, first off, I it, it's cool that they they can do stuff like that, but it is it is it, very it, cool. It it is always a bit sad that it's just one person that can do it or a few people that can do it because they can they can only take that many people in the helicopter and they can they do that because then they get some promo for their event and um, stuff like also, that. People so people pay for the helicopter. The helicopter is not yeah. free. And then it's a game should be for all the people, in my opinion. All the people should have an equal chance of having a lot of fun. So I try to, we're actually trying to make a game that should be my dream game. And mm -hmm. the more people I talk to, the more I want to create it. And it would be, um, for example, Burgit is a six, six hour game with 2000 people or 1600 to 2000 people. But it's missing out to some of the fun things and people cannot always go to there because they don't have the money or but they still want to be involved in the story. So we were thinking on the uh, NAF in the UK, you got the National Airsoft Festival and somebody pitched me the idea. And since he pitched me the idea, I, I, I never stopped thinking about it. And it would be cool to have simultaneous events around the world because I want to bring airsofters closer together, organizers oh, working together. And then you would have uh, Birgit, for example, being the main thing. But for example, you want to have a an ammo drop coming in, or you want to have fuel, or you want to have resupply for something. But that needs to come from Ireland, for example, where there is also a game running. And then the organizers or the HQs need to talk to each other. Okay, we need um, a helicopter with fuel. Okay, can you provide us a helicopter? And then the people in Ireland, the organizers, have a site that they need to protect for that amount of time so they can refuel the helicopter and they need to communicate with each other. And then when once the helicopter is flying over, you can have another game um, that is that needs to secure a SAM site, for example, because if the SAM site is not covered, they can shoot down the helicopter. So there is a whole range of integrated events going story. On you, you've on got this, on... the uh, that modular story architecture. Exactly. Nice. That's very but nice. Then you can you can make it even cooler by having a dedicated news agency reporting about it to send like a news flashes to the world so every airsofter around the world can follow this event and evolve uh, during a span of I don't know how many hours because it doesn't need to be the same amount of hours every event. It just needs to be connected in some way. Yeah, I'm uh, following it live would be an option. I think it would be easier just to roll it into, you could do the whole thing live and then edit it down into like a, a 30 minute or even like a one hour movie. And that, that would even like almost like a web series, like just put like 30 or so 10 minute clips up on YouTube. Like that's, that's watchable. Like no one's done that. So no, no, no. I, I would definitely want to get time. real time. Yeah. You can real send reporters. time round the world airsoft match. Yeah. Like, you could, you send reporters into Burgett, for example, that you have one guy from your organization, the, the news group that is following a team around and you can do interviews and then they can, there is one team that is stitching it all together and you can have a 7 p.m. live uh, news 
uh, report going with the stories that they made during the event. Yeah, it would be actually quite easy to get people to do it because with the technology we have now, like the live yeah. streaming and stuff like that would be fine. And you could just go to local universities and just go to the, the film studies place and say, <laughs> hey, who's studying like, you know, to be uh, for a job in yeah. film? And say, all right, well, how about you want to do this for experience? And they'll, they'll do it for experience. You can get a free ticket. Just go uh, with your small crew and go to the event and yeah. report stuff. And yeah, it has been in my mind for so long. Uh, well, a few months now, and it, there is so many things that you can do with it. And I love bringing people together. And in Airsoft, this is something that we miss, in my opinion, that is something that the whole world or the whole Airsoft community can rally about around and have a good day or a few weekends or one weekend, actually a few days, yeah. where you can have that massive event where everybody's connected and you can just turn on your, your computer and follow the live stream and you can follow it 24 or just go to the news agency or whatever. Let's do it, man. I'll try to put you in contact with some people in Japan and, you know, I've, I'm running my own event. So next year, it's, this seems like something we can do. It is totally doable. I have one organizer that might jump in in Sweden. So that would be cool. Let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Dream team. You can have anyone uh, on your airsoft team. They can be alive or dead. They can be real or make-believe. Who are you going to squat up with? That was a really difficult one. And I actually don't know. Um, I love going to any game with the people that are on site mm -hmm. and use their abilities that they have. Use the strength at the time because everybody has his own strength yeah. and everybody has his weakness. That's true. And if you can make a team with anybody, that is the best thing you can do. And that is what mostly happens in Airsoft. You just go to an event, you meet the people, you have to instantly as a, as a commanding function, you have to see, okay, this is your strength. I'm going to use it this way. This is your weakness. I'm going to use you in this way. So having to make a, a dream team, I think every team can be a dream team in any occasion. Nice. Sp you know, spoken like a real manager. I like that. As, it's, I actually don't know. It's a weird. <laughs> no, but I, I really appreciate the answer. Like lots of times people say like John Wick and stuff like that. But I really like the answer of any team can be a dream team if you just utilize their strengths and weaknesses efficiently. It's a, a really good viewpoint from a management perspective. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, jumping into round six, uh, sell me your gun. Uh, for this section, I'd like to do uh, a role play where I uh, buy a, a gun and I'd like you to sell me the gun. Uh, please choose uh, any gun you like. Basically, this is a chance for you just to brag all about your gun and tell me about all the cool stuff that your gun can do so I want to buy it. <laughs> okay. Is there a time limit? Uh, we can limit it to 90 seconds so we can use it for Insta if you like. I'm going to try to, uh, I think it's possible, but in 90 seconds. If we go over, it's also fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hi, I'm uh, I'm looking to buy a gun. Okay. Um, well, I got this one. That is the ICS UK1 Captain. It's a perfect all-around rifle that you can use in CQB and outdoor activities because you're new into airsoft, right? And you don't really know what you're getting into. So you need something where you can do everything. And the UK one captain is perfect. It has an amazing range. It is 
uh, very compact and it has an awesome flash hydra on the top that is just one block of metal. You can put any uh, accessories on it because it has a key mod and it has M-Lock on the front. So you can choose whatever you want and you can test out whatever accessory that you want. It has some nice wrists on the top. It has some cool flip up side and um, yeah it is a it has a mosfet inside already so you can you don't have any you don't need to upgrade this this is a perfect starter gun and the one thing that i really love about this is that it is a split gearbox so if you have to work on it it's perfect for you to learn working on an airsoft rifle because there is no tension on your gears and the last and funny thing about this it has an integrated sight front sight and it just flips open and you nice. don't have to think about bringing one so UK1 Captain, love it. And it's perfect for a starter gun. Great. I'll take two. Dude, okay. That was good. You could be a, a, a professional salesman. You you really sold me that gun. Now I want one. That little flip up sight at the end. Yeah, that's, me. That, that's really cool. Always keep the, the, the best to last. Right. I like it. All right. Uh, round seven. This is the backstory. Uh, I've gone to your Instagram and selected uh, three pictures that I found interesting. I'd like you to tell me about these pictures and uh, let me know the backstory. Okay. So, uh, who's this handsome man? Well, you know that uh, you know that I um, I talked to you about if you shout a lot, you're the target. Yes. This is seconds before I got shot from a sniper in a um, full scale attack. Um, to try to reinforce everything that was going on on the crossroad. And I love this picture because it is showing me in my full glory. I'm mm -hmm. recording, I'm using my M249 as a support gunner because I like to support the team. And I'm yelling um, instructions to maybe 50, 60 people around me. And they chose me to shoot out as the only one that was standing around. We got tanks, we got vehicles on the same spot at that time, but they chose me to hit me. And that was really funny. Nice. I, I choose you too. Oh, <laughs> I understand. All right. Uh, why are you sticking your tongue out? That is, um, I chose this picture because it's a picture that shows that airsoft doesn't always need to be um, serious. Hmm. You can have a funny face. You can do whatever you want. You can have fun and you can be whoever you want to be hmm. as long as you follow the rules and be a friendly guy yeah this is all this is also showing my older vietnam gear because i started off uh, in a vietnam teamed airsoft team and um they learned me a lot of the things that i still use today the right values the right things to say to do um, help each other have a social impact in everything that you do and this is why i love this picture it is me um doing what i love to do being Sticking myself. Out your tongue yeah, exactly. Doing whatever I want. Well, everyone goes for a Miley Cyrus phase. What is Miley Cyrus phase? Miley Cyrus kept sticking out her tongue a lot, like in all her she videos. Does. I she think does. I think she did. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a fan like you are, apparently. <laughs> I don't think anyone was like a fan of Miley Cyrus. She was just everywhere, like a few years ago. I understand. I, it's right, not that I, bad. Is that uh, Lisa on the left? It is, it is. So uh, this picture is, um, it shows friendship in Airsoft. Um, this is in Finland. We had the ability to go to Finland to visit friends and play some Airsoft games. And here we are shooting uh, real steel uh, guns. And they arranged that for us. We visit there. We stay with them in their homes. 
And that's what I told you about having the bond of brotherhood and having a special connection with the people that you had bigger games with. There it was really cold. Um, they arranged that for us and that was just amazing. And during that day, uh, Lisa had a, a panic attack and well, she was shooting guns and they all stood up together and uh, pulled her through. And that is something that you can only do when you have and you're around with, with, with real friends and yeah, they, people that care about you. Yeah, exactly. And Lisa was crying and, and she took up the AK and she wouldn't she didn't want to do it because it was. Uh, yeah, it's it's a real firearm. So you need to be focused at all times. So she, they walked her over all the steps, what she needed to do. And they even cocked the gun for her. So you were like, OK, pointed forward. Everybody stayed back. Um, take your time. And if you're ready, pull that trigger that trigger and that is just a moment that you will never forget you are in this in a country not your own country with your friends having an amazing moment and this is always this is only happening because we play airsoft hmm. yeah, it's the the friends that you make playing airsoft and the experience that you make and just the the options that open up to you are just amazing but that's that's really cool that you have such a supportive uh group of friends nice man all right, uh, round eight. This is the the final round of the podcast. Here we have some uh, deeper, more personal questions that we can use uh, to explore your airsoft journey so far. So, okay. the first question is all about achievements, and basically, this is just a excuse to brag. You can just brag all you like about the coolest shit that you have done. So, let me know what is your greatest airsoft-related accomplishment. Well, I thought about um, things that I did in-game. And I think the, 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 the best thing is that I just use my strengths in the way that I use them. And that has grown me into the person that I am today in Airsoft. But that's not the greatest accomplishment. It's just me having fun in what I'm good at. Hmm, okay. Um, lately, I'm working on um, a platform, Airsoft the World, to bring Airsofters closer together and giving them a way to show that they love their game because as we know on social media they don't like airsoft they push it away they try to put it away in a small box so that nobody sees that we love guns and we are crazy people yeah. um so we try to um yeah i started off with an airsoft united platform in belgium and and i gave up my project to work on airsoft the world because they were doing the same thing but uh, better so we are now working together and we are um, growing slowly and bringing players together. Um, yeah. And that is, my, in my opinion, the biggest thing, um, the Airsoft accomplishment that I can do because I want to make Airsoft bigger, stronger, greater. Um, so people in different countries don't have to worry about their laws changing, but that there is a group behind them that can assist them. So we don't have the things that are happening in Canada or in Portugal or in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, that yeah none, none of these just, are great. Yeah, exactly. And if there is a group, um, an airsoft community around the world that is ready to catch up, to catch those people, if something happens, um, give them advices on, okay, these laws are happening in this country. Maybe you can use this. This is happening in Finland. This is happening in Sweden. Maybe you can bring this together and show this to your government. Um, if you want to show how big airsoft is, you can just send them the data that we have on our website. These are all the stores around the world. Those people are working together. We have events around the world every weekend. 
Now we don't. We have no way of showing that because everything is so bundled up in small bubbles and everything so compartmentalized. is compartmentalized. Yes, exactly. And I want to I want to break that. And since I started on the project in Airsoft United, that's in 2014, it has been a long way. But with the new platform, we are reaching more people. We are getting more people on board, and it can only be good for airsoft in my opinion so that is my biggest accomplishment in airsoft today and i hope it's it's gonna keep getting better and better okay so i i had a look at uh, airsoft world uh very quickly uh for the listeners uh can you tell them what it what it is so what it basically is um i can tell you what it's going to be because um airsoft the world is originated in Ukraine. And as we both know today, Ukraine is not the best place to do that. Um, so uh, my platform was in Belgium. We merged the two platforms. Mine was more uh, database oriented and theirs was more social based. So if you combine those two, you can get a massive database where people can share their stories. The problem is that we were going to port a lot of the stuff from Airsoft United into Airsoft the world, but we need developers to do that. We need money to do that. And the problem is that everything dried up and because it's in Ukraine, there are no events anymore. And those were creating revenue for the website to build those new features. The stores weren't out of business or are destroyed or whatever. Um, so there is no income anymore on the website. So we needed to change the strategy to build it more slowly. So now people can, what they can do now is they can build their team. They can build, uh, they can show off their airsoft gear without being pushed back like any other social media. Um, and now event organizers can also use the platform to organize their events with the system on the website. And there are a few cool things. You can have a rating system. You can have, uh, you can link your media, for example, to the event. So if people, different people make pictures from an event, they can link it to the event. So if you went to the event, you can just go to that page of that event, go to the albums, and you can see all the pictures from the different people that are linked to that event. I like that. It's always hard getting pictures for events. That's why I... You know, yeah, I haven't really solved that problem yet. So yeah, that that's nice, <laughs> nice. And in the future, it will be only get bigger and bigger. Uh, we will integrate the shops in it. Uh, so you'll be able to have a secondhand market depending on the country that you're in because every country had different yeah, rules. You don't want to send guns overseas. Exactly. Uh, so if you know, uh, like in the Netherlands, you can have a secondhand market. In Belgium, you cannot. So it will be restricted for every country. That's yeah, fine. Um, there will be more and more stuff coming for organizers. Um, Do you yeah. know the website Hopup? It's an American uh, secondhand market website, right? Yeah, that's right. So, copy what they're doing. <laughs> uh, yes, but they could. They they're only doing in the states, right? Yeah, we don't have it in Japan. And that's the problem with a lot of the, there are a lot of websites that do similar things, but they are also they're always region localized. And you don't have to care about the different rules from different countries. And one thing that we want to integrate is if you, as a national player, you want to go to an international game, you don't know the laws. So if hmm. you go to the platform and the event is on the platform, we will have the connection with those countries and they we will have a list of all the laws that you can do and you're not allowed to do. So you can just click on the event and then see the laws of that country. You can click on that and it will show you what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And in the further future, it will be an option to say like, okay, I want to go to an event in Sweden. I'm going to pass on uh, Netherlands, Germany. I'm going to have a ferry. 
And then you can have a, a summary of all the things that you need to do or to make sure that you're legally passing through those countries. And then you can have a summary in your email or in your uh, oh, on the nice. event itself. So, so those like are the things. Google Maps for guns. Exactly. Well, for airsoft, not for guns. <laughs> because nice. airsoft, airsoft is more than the guns alone. We're using drones. We're using um, uh, night visions. We're using uh, optical lights. Like in Germany, it's not allowed to have a light mounted on your rifle. But nobody knows that if you're not living in Germany. So all those rules should be uh, all together in one website. But the problem is that you cannot just say, okay, I'm going to make a website for rules because that is not going to make any uh, income, income for the website income. itself. And another thing is that a lot of people have the ID to create something like that, but they're always stuck like it's one person doing all the work because Airsoft is very small, even though there are a lot of us. And if you can find those people in every country, you can bring them together and feed on each other's energy and make it better for all of us. Instead yeah, you of can, you everybody can make something doing their own. You just need to, uh, well, like you said, assemble the right team. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I, I like that. I'll have a look at more of the site now, but for someone living in Japan, the benefit for me would be I can put my team information there so I get visibility and I can post my media there so people go to my YouTube. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. You can uh, have your media. You can make blog posts. Uh, I, I post, for example, everything that I post on any social media I post on Airsoft the World. Everything that is Airsoft related, I make a post about it. And the cool thing is that, okay, now it's only English. There is an auto-translation function. So for everybody that is, for example, French, because they hate speaking another language. That's true. It will be all auto-translated to their language. For example, for Japan, it will be auto-translated to Japan then, or Japanese. Yep. If, um, if you want to do that, I've, I've done something like that recently. Um, the Amazon AWS like translation system seems to be like the easiest one to work with. But if you want the best stuff, run it through DeepL because DeepL is just mwah, chef's kiss. It is the best translator ever. Well, they, they're using Google now, I think. Oh, it's... no, 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 no. That's Google <laughs> is just trash. You, it is the worst translator. Like it does some like the romance languages quite well, but mm -hmm. like I, I'm a language teacher. I've studied linguistics. I write English textbooks. Like, <laughs> tr trust me, Google is not good. Uh, it it can do some languages quite well, but it mm -hmm. doesn't do all languages well. But DeepL is absolutely fantastic. It has an API that you can access. So, if you want something dope, look into DeepL. I I will. I'm not developer. I'm just the connecting people person. Um, but I will I will send that to the uh, developers. And if you're interested, I can add you to our Discord for Japan because we are always looking for people from different countries. We're having a small team for every country and it's max five to 10 people that are working together to get information, um, finding organizers, uh, finding the right thing, giving us the, the, the laws, for example, is very important that we have people in that country that is supporting us that information and being that connection. So if you want, I can add you to our Discord. Cool. Uh, I'm I'm happy to help, but I'm not the best person to ask for for laws. So we definitely need to get like, uh, I can connect you with the right people though. But you definitely that want is... a Japanese person because you don't want a foreigner interpreting <laughs> Japanese laws. But it's the first step. So we need we need to have the connections, and that is it's all about connections and finding the right people in the right places 
that's why we have a small team of five to 10 people in every country. Yeah, that's what you need. If you have five to 10, then you can get everything done. Exactly. We're talking with 19 countries at the moment. So I think this is one of the biggest international community connections that has ever been built for now. Yeah, dude, it's it's cool. Like, it feels like our, our next question then just like, is like is less interesting now because we've just had like this really deep conversation on <laughs> making ourselves world, worldwide and now our next question is embarrassing moments so <laughs> i i actually tried to find an embarrassing moment and i have no idea what to answer here yes i fell down millions of times but is that embarrassing enough to be on the same height of what my accomplishments are i didn't i don't i don't know it was really difficult to find an answer to that um, I think the most embarrassing thing was that I went to a uh, an event once and I was 100% sure that my rifle was shooting under the limit. And when they tested me on site, it was shooting over the limit. And I still don't know what happened because I had that rifle for years and it was like, uh, it was still in FPS. It was 320 FPS. And when they chronoed me, it was shooting 360, 370. Their and it is something that... Wrong. Yeah, but the still, was probably set for the wrong weight of BBs. Well, that's the thing with FPS; it, it's it's just calculating FPS, not joules. Hmm. And that was really, really weird. And I still don't know what happened. Um, so I was like, that was really embarrassing for me because I am always picking on people. Okay, make sure that you follow the law. Make sure that you follow the rules. And then I went to an event, and I was one hundred percent sure that my rifle was shooting the right amount of uh, under the limit. And then it was not. And it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> this happens to me at most games, too. Like, my uh, gun uh, chronos at, like, 95 MPS. And then every field I go to, they go, oh, it's 98. Oh, it's 91. It's like, it's not. It's not that. It's what I measured it at home. And the same way I've measured it for the last 10 years, and it's always the same. Your shit's not calibrated correctly. Yeah, but still, it sucks. <laughs> it does. All right, so Airsoft seems to be going in different directions. We've got, you know, Milsim, we've got Speedsoft, we've got tactical training, and we've got how Airsoft has been, like, getting depicted in local culture. How do you foresee Airsoft changing over the next 10 years, and how do you want Airsoft to change over the next 10 years? How I can see it change is that the bigger it gets, the more it gets notif notified by law. No, and yeah, the people yeah. that don't know about it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about Airsoft the World, because I want to be ahead of the storm. Yep. So what I want it to be is that we are all together, fighting it together and being a strong block against any law in any country and being able to fight against everything that is coming our way. If that is not happening, I can see it going badly in one country after another, um, getting more stricter getting more laws. Um, so yeah, it can be really bad. So that's why I hope that it's going to be better. Um, changes are always coming in Airsoft. Uh, you can see that with the Speedsoft um, that has grown and stabilized. Uh, hmm. You can see it with the IPSC that is is that has grown also and stabilized. Yeah, I forgot IPSC. I didn't even um, mention that because of course like Stu, uh, Stu Baca loves IPSC. Hmm. Yeah, we, we do. Um, like fun shoots where people with normal airsoft rifles can can shoot fun targets instead of the IPSC is really based on the real firearms so they are so strict in building their stages that you cannot 
point your gun to the audience mm. and we if you do fun stuff you, you don't really care you just go for it and building the stage you can go like in, in all degrees you just make sure that you don't shoot put targets where the people are watching um, people can go anywhere with their rifle uh, because it's it's still airsoft so you can be a little bit more laid back on the rules instead of ipsc is really really strict yeah and uh yeah strict isn't isn't that much fun if you're like 100 dedicated i understand hmm. and it's the best way of having the competition because then it, it the laws are completely clear the rules yeah. are clear so you know what you're getting yourself into but for normal airsofters that just want to have a fun day you got just going to get disqualified every time that you step inside that range yeah i can see myself getting instantly disqualified every time i play mm -hmm. so you, you yeah, want to do something fun exactly all right so for last question uh of the podcast we have what are you working on at the moment um of course your answer for this would be a soft world as you've told us in detail um, do you have any other projects that you're working on at the moment, or do you want to go into more detail on Airsoft World? I think Airsoft World, people will get it now, uh, yeah. what the plan, what the idea is. Um, it's like just a world for Airsoft. Ex Ooh, yes. <laughs> um, the other thing is I'm, I'm creating videos. I'm, I'm doing one video every week. Like OnlyFans to... or like Airsoft videos? Well, people want me to do OnlyFans, and maybe I have to get my link up someday. <laughs> I will get, get I will... paid somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I'm making uh, airsoft videos because I thought that it was getting out of hand on YouTube. So you only see negativity. If people type in airsoft in YouTube, the only thing you see is blooded faces and cheater videos and yep. ex-military doing this, um, ex-SAS doing that. Um, and that is just not what airsoft is. Yep. So I decided to build my own airsoft videos and showing airsoft as it really is, just mm -hmm. having fun with the boys or girls. Yeah, and, basically, um, that's what it is. I had a meeting with Novridge not that long ago to talk about it, and I had an interview with him to talk about there is a big difference between what airsoft is in social media and what airsoft really is. And that's the gap true. is only getting bigger and bigger. And I accused him of him being the source of the problem um, well, I did it in a friendly way. It was a, an, an interest. It was a very interesting com uh, conversation with him, and it was not his fault. It was people seeing that it worked on the social medias. Like, oh, I can do videos like that. And because he, he started the whole like sniper gameplay thing like back in the day by putting a video camera on top yeah. of his uh, sniper rifle. But he didn't make all the cheater videos. He didn't make all no. the. The, the the really screamy titles and whatever, maybe some of them, but it was not his his key thing. But people saw that it was working and social media was picking it up and drama is doing very drama well sells, on social yeah. media. And I, want, I don't want that. I want people to see what Airsoft is. And that's why, yes, my channel is slowly growing, but the people that are finding my channel always tell me like, yes, this is what Airsoft is. Yes, I want to see what you're doing. I want I make... 12 part videos about Bergen showing the tactics that we use, the gear that I use, why we do stuff, what is going wrong, uh, me getting hit because most of the YouTubers never get hit for some reason. I get hit. Get... <laughs> I, I, I put up my kills. I, I, I try to, I try to be honest, but I'll, I'll put up like 80% of my videos will me just being a pimp and 20% of my videos will be me being killed. <laughs> but you know, you need to manage the brand. Yes, and I, I didn't want to do that. I just want to um, 
I just want to show me. And if I yell, I yell. If I die, I die. What's your YouTube? I'll check you out uh, right now. It's Varoha Airsoft. I can't spell that. That's Ver mean, Verge Airsoft, right? Yeah, Verge Airsoft. <laughs> it's it's a, yeah, I put out a weekly video. So I, every Monday, there is a new video. I do a short on yeah. Thursday. And um, yeah, I try to show the gameplay, the gear that I'm using. I'm working on a whole gear series and oh. it's going to be on my, there we go. Just subscribe. To... We're, we're basically the same size, same amount of videos, same amount. Of yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm going to build a website while it's already online, vrahairsoft.com. And it's going to show my whole gear out, what I've used for gear. Because on, I have all different videos, but it's not layered as I want it to be on YouTube. Mm. So you will see me as a person and you will be able to click on four layers that I or three layers that I use, my clothing, my gear and my backpacks. And then you can go deeper into the layer and then you can see why I use those backpacks. And then you can choose a different backpack and see the video about that backpack, why I chose that certain backpack for that type of backpack. Oh, interesting. So it's an old school image map. Nice. Exactly. So you will be able to have like a whole three view of everything that I use. And at the end, it's just a video of a pouch from a certain brand, just explaining and giving a review about it. And everything is will be linked on, in the website. But that is a project that has been going on for two years because, yeah, you need to have the small ones, the big ones, the connection ones. And Dude, you know. it, it's it's an interesting idea. Um, I'll try it. Send me some links. I'll, I'll shout you out some uh, press and try to get some... Uh, some views your way thank you very much and then besides that i'm also a board member on the belgium airsoft association for seven years now that is mostly working behind the scenes keeping airsoft legal and trying to connect organizers together um, having the same to make sure that we have the same rules in every site so they don't have all different rules and the players don't know what to do anymore that's the problem we uh, have in japan every site has different rules we need to standardize it so you need crazy people that can standardize, do well. You need crazy people that want to spend time in that. And that yeah. is not I easy. I was thinking of doing it this year, but oh, it's a, it's a lot of work. And especially as a foreigner, it's, it's hard. Well, with Airsoft the World, we can help with that because mm. then you can already build a small team and we can have a communication going with the Japanese organizers and uh, just start a communication. What is... What are you using? That is where you have to start. Yeah. Ask the questions. So every field has different dual limits. So like some fields will be 80 MPS, some fields will be 90 MPS, some are 95, some are 99, some allow 0 0.2, some are 0 0.25, 0, some are 0 0.28. There's there's no some are full auto only, some are you can't do full auto. It's there's no standardization in the rules, except no one's over one joule. That's the only standard. <laughs> So you just have to, the first thing that you need to do is um, list them all up and you can do that. And that's one of the things that, it, that, for example, Airsoft World is pretty good at. You just list them and give them the option to fill in what they use. And then you can, if you have some people that are looking into it, they can say, okay, this is the most used. Can we all use this one, for example? And then if the people that want to follow it, they're going to follow. If they don't want to follow you, you just, just do that needs on. analysis. You need that needs analysis. Exactly. And instead of everybody doing it on its own, just build a website for it. That's what yeah. we did. I like it. I, I was gonna. I was looking into doing it myself, but I'm very happy that someone else has already done it because 
I don't need another project. <laughs> that, that, that was my, my next point, site projects. I have a lot of site projects and I'm not taking in any more. Cool. You, you want to shout them out? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm working on my M1919A4. Yep. I'm working on a custom PTT that can take dual uh, PTT for the uh, Baofeng UV82, but also can uh, connect with your phone with a Bluetooth button. So you can okay, use nice. Zello in your same headset. So instead of switching out or having double headset, you can use your same radio and phone for communication on bigger games because games are done by normal people. They don't have military equipment. They have a phone. So we have to use yeah. that phone to the best of the abilities. Yeah. And then I've been working on an electric speed loader for years now. <laughs> and I, because I use shotgun shells, like 20H BBs per shell, and if you use 30 of them and you have to fill them all by hand. Have you seen the Lalax um, Kuikun? It's an electric speed loader for 4,000 yen. Is it the black box? Yeah, I it looks like it. three M4 mags taped together. Oh, yeah. Um, we, I used that way, way in the, back, in, in the past, like 10 years, 12 years ago. And I never could find it again. And then, I love it. Like I love my Kui Kun. He he comes with me everywhere. I just put my mag on it, and then it's full. It's great. But the problem is, you don't know how many BBs it fills. It just fills it up, and it's done. Well, and I want I want to say like I want eighty BBs in my magazine because I want to save the spring on the the mid caps. So I, instead of one hundred and fifty rounds, I put eighty in it so it doesn't get overflowed. If you run uh, Tokyo Marui NGRS, uh, there's a button on the magazine that you can use um, to limit it. So it's like they normally do like, like the MP5, I think is 72 rounds, but then you can flip a button on it and it locks it at 30 rounds. And the uh, M4, uh, the same, they've got like a button on it that you can um, click that'll give you either real count or like half capacity. So some of the uh, the newer magazines let you do it. But it would be just like 30 BBs start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it, so it's, it's one of my projects. It's hard. Yeah, I got some stuff done. But yeah, I, I focus on the website more now. So when I have time and some energy, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, side I, projects. I, I totally hear, hear you. It's, uh, it's hard having all these side projects and trying to finish something. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible. So... Uh, for last part here, um, feel free to just take the mic, um, shout out any pages that you want us to follow, uh, SNS, like how we can contact you, uh, any teammates or anyone that you want to give a shout out to, feel free, the uh, the mic is yours. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Well, uh, people can find me on almost every social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, YouTube. I have a few TikTok videos, but I hate the platform. It was just trying it out. Uh, you can find me on Airsoft the World, of course. Uh, everything is Vraha Airsoft. You, you, you can write it as average without the A. It's the <laughs> easiest way of explaining people how to write my name. Um, shouting out to some uh, partners or people that I love uh, what they do, because I love people that are trying to build something for the Airsoft community without uh, cashing in everything. And that is RS Alpha. I, I mentioned it a little bit. That is an app that brings people and organizers together with a cool way of organizing events. You can have a map, you can have cool props, you can have uh, bombs, you can have hitboxes, um, amazing stuff. 
Uh, I have a lot of videos on my YouTube channel because I want to support them as much as possible. It's two Romanian dudes building next level airsoft stuff. And it, oh. it, it's crazy how they can do it. So every support that I can give them, I, I, I just take the time to do that. Um, besides that, I uh, love going to uh, events in Sweden, like Bellum events is doing an amazing job in creating something simple for everybody. It's a 400 player game. And it's just also bringing people together and they're listening to their players. So that's why I want to give them a small shout out because they're doing an amazing job on creating something for the player and just doing what they do. Um, and then, um, of course, ICS. I've been an ICS captain for five years now, and it's just cool to do. Um, helping out with the process of testing the rifles, making them better, giving them my feedback, testing out new rifles every year. Um, yeah, just ICS is, is amazing to communicate with. Um, then Airsoft the World, okay, if you want to help out, just go to Airsoft the World, make an account, post all your Airsoft stuff on it. It's airsoft.world. You can find it um, on any Google thingy. You can search it. Uh, they also have an app. Uh, for now, it's work best working on PC. We're working on the mobile version. Not everything is possible in the mobile version, but um, there is also an app that is coming. Uh, well, it's already there, but um, right before Russia invaded, they were developing it. So it, it is not completely done, yeah, but it will be really ruins everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it will be possible, for example, for organizers to just scan a QR code from the player and he will be registered as being at the event. So it's a, it's a cool app that can be used in a lot of ways. And then the last person that I want to give a, a small shout out, that is my wife, that's skinny bitch. You can find her on any social media. Um, she's doing an amazing job as a woman in airsoft. Um, she's ha she has Asperger's syndrome. So she's autistic and she's um, giving it some, um, what's the word for it? Um, she's showing attention to the problem. Well, the problem that she has and that it's okay to be different and still have a good time in Airsoft because Airsoft is an amazing community and everybody is different. Everybody has his own background story, but if you step on a field, nobody cares anymore. No one cares. You, they accept you as their player, as their friend, as their team buddy, and they will go to war with you and try to shoot the enemy and take the objective as best as possible. And Lisa is doing an amazing job on spreading that news to the world that everybody can play Airsoft in a good way. Also, wasn't Lisa like a two-time uh, airsofter of the year? Yeah. So, man, she's, I, I, she's doing I it well. Yeah, I can't give them. I, I can't. She does. She doesn't all. She does a lot of stuff. She she has uh, an amazing social media. She uh, or dog Delta. He's sleeping behind me. Um, is an amazing. Okay, I woke him up now. Uh, um, and she indeed won the Player Choice Awards two times. And that shows that people accept that what she's doing and they agree on what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was one of the other first uh, accounts that I followed when I was starting my like Airsoft um, Instagram account. So yeah, she, and, and I think she's around 40,000 uh, now. So she's got like a really good uh, presence on social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's not going very good on social media. And it's not. They hate us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we still love what we do, right? All right. We just need our own social media. There we go. We're trying to do that. All right, man. Well, it's been great talking to you. Um, 
for the last wow two hours like time just yeah, time, time flies, flies. <laughs> talking about guns <laughs> but it's been really nice chatting you seem to be a complete authority when it comes to airsoft and especially just the organizing side the leadership side and really just looking uh at the laws it's great to have someone that is really looking into the laws of the country and when when you're in europe and just you have to travel across the different countries uh a service like airsoft world is just going to make it so much easier the uh the exactly, google yeah. maps of airsoft will just revolutionize the game so thank you for uh developing that well um everybody's helping out on the app on the map and the website so it's basically the team i'm just connecting the dots together nice you're the uh the team leader again it seems you're playing your role well <laughs> I try to do it right. All right, man. It's been fun chatting. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, shoot each other in person one day. I hope I can make it to Japan. That would be Tokyo. Yeah. Tokyo, try Japan. to yeah. come over next year for the next uh, Crytek owners meeting. I don't have one, but why not? Well, then you can get one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Goodbye. Goodbye.